everybody. Welcome to episode 82 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mercatani. I'm Andy Hamilton coming to you from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum in Waterloo, Iowa. Joined on the line from St. Louis by David Mercatani. Welcome back, David. How was your Memorial Day weekend? Hot, hot and sticky. Uh, the humidity in St. Louis is back, but uh, it was fun. We got a chance to eat some barbecue and uh, hang out with some people and go to a graduation party. So it was good. How about you? Same. Pretty much the same. Graduation <laughs> at our house. lot of work for a three-hour party. Ridiculous amount of work for a three-hour party, but uh, it was a lot of fun. and Definitely hot up here, too. I don't know that I can ever recall like four or five days in a row where temps were upwards of 95 in late May, but uh, we skipped over springtime and went straight from winter to summer. looks like we had about, about yeah. one week spring. Anyway, lots of wrestling to talk about as always. We have no shortage of subjects for this episode, but uh, we took a dive into what the team race looked like from the top 10 here a while back. A little bit different now, David. A lot of transfers moving around that weren't necessarily factored into those figures. But uh, Iowa picking up Austin DeSanto. That moves the needle a little bit. Minnesota picking up a couple guys. Sean Russell, All-American coming in at 125. A little lineup shift underway for the Gophers. It's interesting to me about that, about the Russell deal, David. I had a chance to talk to Sean Russell in, the I think, December for a seven-minutes interview that ran on track wrestling, and we talked about the schools that he considered before picking Edinburgh. talked about Minnesota, and he said that Minnesota was recruiting Sean Russell and Ethan Lezak at the same time sounded like they were going to split some money there that uh, Sean Russell said Lezak was going to get some of the money maybe that he thought he was going to get. Winds up going to Edinburgh instead. Now Lezak's moving up. Russell's sliding in at 125 pounds, as well as the Gophers adding Devin Skatska. You mentioned off the air, we talked about Oklahoma State getting Dakota Gear, NC State picking up Justin Oliver, Arizona State picking up Mason Smith been an interesting offseason a lot of movement i don't remember this much movement with transfers you know that's just the tip of the iceberg there are some others moving around as well but uh maybe you have to rerun those figures david yeah i we will i mean like i i think most people know this or have heard me say this we t- i try to do the rankings for next season like the week after nationals and just go through the bracket and figure out who wasn't seniors you have to make judgment calls on, you know, like if you and me both lost in the round of 12, generally it's the guy that was the better seed or a head-to-head. Same thing in the round of 16. There's a lot of judgment calls in that round of 24. And then you kind of let that sit and percolate, and then you're like, oh, okay, Lezak's moving up. Okay, these other guys are moving up. Oh, you know, like, uh, like Cash Wilkie's moving down. And so the guys are really the where they're ranked won't change but who's, who gets their team points will change. Like, DeSanto will be wherever I had DeSanto at. I think I had him at eight or nine. But, you, you know, now the points go to Iowa instead of Drexel. But it, your conversation about Sean Russell, 
it's really interesting. You know, I would tell people all the time when we were having really successful recruiting years that if you really want a kid, you can generally get him if you work hard enough at it. It's just how much does it cost you and, and who does it cost you? Cause if you get a great kid, like when we got to Ron Wynn, there weren't a lot of other guys that wanted to come and wrestle 184 for us because they knew they weren't going to see the lineup. And that happens a lot. And then like the money part, like I almost went to Oklahoma State, but it was down to me and Chris Owens and they wanted Chris a little more and he committed. And so there wasn't the amount of money that I needed to go there. So, and these things end up having huge, like life altering consequences, but it's just a subtle you know, like, you know, maybe like 10 or 20% to leave back or something like that. But I also think it's really good that if you don't get a kid in recruiting, that you don't burn the bridge, that you stay positive with him, you wish him the best. Because there's a lot of coaches that don't do that. And if things don't work out out of place, when, you know, when it comes back around, kids remember that. People in general remember that. The kids really remember that. And I'm sure... Minnesota handled that right the first time, and now they're benefiting from it now. David, you put a list together of some power red shirts that could affect next year's, or that I shouldn't say could affect, that will affect next year's team race. Let's take a look at those. Let's take a dive yeah, into I mean, those. It, yeah, we, and these are, this was kind of compiled, you know, I think there was kind of a dead week in January, so a lot of these guys might be a little different in terms of what we think, but some obvious names at the top. Oklahoma State's got three of the top five with Dayton Fick, Joe Smith, Hayden Gefeller. Uh, guys like Vito Arugia. And a lot of the Vito is what weight will he go? Uh, I mean, I know Cornell ideally would like to have him at 25. He's really tall. I mean, I, I've sat in the corner against him. I don't know if he can get down that far, but he would be unbelievable to deal with at 125. Uh, Jacob Warner. Uh, Terry Brands was on the podcast uh, that's going to come out at some point and when I spoke to him he said you know that they've made an announcement we're getting Jacob Warner in the lineup and so you know that means he comes in he's a really tricky guy to rank Andy because you can rank him as high as the strength of the Willie Nicholas win or as low as the Jacob Woodley loss and you know, I don't know, we'll probably find a medium ground for him there, but he feels like a kid that's going to be way up and could even contend for a title. Nick Renan is a guy that, you know, his stock really rose here in the last few weeks. He's in final X, obviously be a gigantic upset if he were to beat David Taylor, but NC State's got to feel good about him. You know, some other guys that wrestled really well at the under 20s, Louis Dupre from Binghamton. Makai Lewis from Virginia Tech, those guys, uh, Mikey Labriola from Nebraska, and then uh, a guy you're familiar with, Bryce Steyer, Northern Iowa. Those are the top 10. When you hear, and I'll jump into the next 10, but when you hear those names, what kind of sticks out to you? Well, certainly Fix is going to be fascinating to see where he goes 25-33 and how much his, he, he's so good at freestyle, right, with mm-hmm. gut wrench stuff. Uh, that doesn't do you a whole lot of good in folk style, but he's super strong on his feet as well. And I, I'm really eager to see him on the college mat, no matter whether it's 25 or 33. I think he's going to be stating the obvious that he's going to be a contender wherever he goes. Uh, right. so curious to see where Joe Smith fits in. I, really, all the pieces to the puzzle with the Oklahoma State lineup. 
you know, you plug gear in uh, at 84, which shores up, potentially shores up uh, one of their uh, weaknesses from a year ago. But they're, they have so many options, so many guys that could go a couple different weights. How do all the pieces of the puzzle fit there? That, to me, is going to be one of the really intriguing storylines between now and, let's say, mid-November. Uh, as you mentioned, Renan had such, has had such a terrific spring making uh, Final X. I think he, we had a chance, Kyle Klingman and I had a chance to talk to Pat Papalizio during our On the Mat interview that ran last week. And I asked Pat, like, just what were your goals for Nick? Because you know, we talked to, to Nick after uh, winning the World Team Trials Challenge Tournament. And I, I asked him about the, the specter of facing David Taylor in State College and what he's up against there. And, and he talked about how his goals in this process were, were just getting himself ready uh, for next March at, at the NCAA Championships. And so, Pat, I, I asked Pat about that. What were your goals for Nick? And he said that it was, you know, getting him to the point where they feel like he can beat the kind of guys that, that he's going to have to beat to be an NCAA champion next year. And Nick Renan's going to be in the mix to, to be a high All-American, I think, there. And so fascinating to see what, what happens with him. Uh, Makai Lewis as well. Boy, he looked really impressive up in Rochester. There's some really fascinating names on here. Labriola had such... A tremendous redshirt year. Then uh, going down this list that you put together, I, I think your point with Warner being absolutely correct, I think he's in the mix to, to win a title at 197. Such a strong hand fighter, great gas tank. And, boy, he was super impressive during his run to making the junior world team. I think it was, what, like 62-0? to zero? And on yeah. the map for like nine minutes total when you factor Vegas and Rochester together. So <laughs> uh, absolutely dominant, as dominant as just about anybody making that team. And, and to sidetrack just for a minute, uh, think about that junior world team that the United States has put together with those that set of upperweights when you go Warner, Kirk Vliet, Steveson, uh, not to mention, you know, Dupre on there, Makai Lewis on that team. Uh, Austin Gomez on that team. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave some people out just trying to go off memory. Right. But uh, uh, Aaron Brooks, Brandon Courtney, Aaron Brooks yeah. was lights out. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Brandon Courtney, and that's that's still to be determined. I think with with Dayton Fix sure. uh, pending, right? Uh, pending, you know the the outcome of Final X. There, could we see him on the uh, Junior World Team again? Uh, certainly looks like a team that's uh, ready to go and compete for another team title. Uh, this year over in Slovakia. So those are my thoughts on the first 10 you got on the list. I think, you know, as I mentioned, I think the big thing though, for me is, is how do the pieces of the puzzle fit together for Oklahoma state? Well, and I couldn't agree more. I the Dakota gear one was interesting to me because one of the options was to move Jacoby Smith up to 84 and maybe Joe Smith all the way up to 74 or Chandler to 74 and Joe to 65. And now it feels like that's probably not going to happen. And Jacoby does not have a red shirt year. Gear does not have a red shirt year. Chandler Rogers does not have a red shirt year. And Joe Smith does not have a red shirt year. So if Joe Smith can make 57, which feels unlikely, um, he's, that makes that team, they have like eight All-Americans in that room. You know, they, I mean, they got an, an embarrassment of riches would probably be the best way to say it. 
They got a great B team. Absolutely phenomenal. They said they've got an absolutely phenomenal B team. <laughs> yeah, no matter who's Reno, on it, right? Like yeah. that a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way of saying it for sure. So if we dig into the next 10, the names that pop up are like Pat Lugo, uh, Nino, Bonacor- Nino, Nino Bonacorzi, uh, Mickey Philippi, uh, Chase Singletary, Jared Verclearen slash Brady Berge, Austin Gomez, Marcus Coleman, Anthony Ashnall back off medical red shirt, Austin O'Connor, you know, and then, you know, like the guys you mentioned at the top, like the DeSantos, Justin Olivers. When, when I look at that list, I think it's, I, I watched Austin Gomez a lot because of uh, my coaching relationship. He's really good and he's got a great tank. And those guys from Iowa State really believe in him. He's a name that pops off the page to me. Yeah, Lugo's another guy. If Iowa is going to try to make a run at the title, he's got an All-American. Ashnall is another guy that pops off. And then Pat Gloria, we didn't talk about it, but he wrestled his fanny off to beat the streets and uh, two four-point chest locks against Gavin Teasdale. And I talked to those Princeton guys. Obviously, the plan they don't redshirt there. The plan for him is for him to go right away. When you look at that list, you know, who, who kind of stands out to you? Gomez, for sure. I mean, he such a tremendous competitor. And, boy, if you're going to beat him, you cannot let off the pedal for one second. Seen that, uh, what, he was down against uh, Vito in the first match of the Best of Three Championship Series, down 8-0, comes back and wins 12-8, and then, yeah. then dominates the second match. Uh, really impressive. Really impressive performance by by Gomez, and and it's certainly not a one off. That's what we've se- what I've seen from him since the first time I watched him compete, which I think was freshman year of high school. After his freshman year, uh, at uh, I want to say it was that event in Cedar Rapids where he wrestled, uh, I think he wrestled Justin Mejia there, and and uh, just kept coming in that match, and uh, really impressive there, and and uh, that's going to serve him well for seven minute matches too, I think. Yeah, we watched him do the same thing to Josh Saunders in the semis up eight eight two and comes back. So yeah, he he's got he's got a lot of composure. Um and you see that more and more with these kids now because they you know, they wrestle at such high level tournaments so early. So um I mean so those guys really stick out. Chase Singletary to me is gonna be is certainly gonna be one to watch. Uh for Ohio State stepping into Kyle Snyder's spot there at, at heavyweight. Uh, big upside there, and Ohio State feels like uh, you know they got the pieces that um, you know they obviously lose a ton of firepower. Snyder graduates, Bo Jordan graduates, Nathan Tomasello graduates, uh, but they've recruited really well. They've got some really talented horses still in the stable, and some young ones on the way as well. So, going to be a really intriguing year for Ohio State. Can they? stay up there in the top three? Can they push Penn State? Can they be in the mix to win a title? It's going to depend on a guy, a guy like uh, Chase Singletary stepping up in a, in a year where heavyweight clears out a little bit. Yeah, and they have four guys that will be seated in the top two or three at their weight. And, you know, like, you know, we have Joey McKenna at 41, Micah Jordan if he goes to 49, uh, Miles Martin – 
and Colin Moore are all going to be one or two seeds. Uh, Miles would go to, not seeds, but ranked, excuse me. Miles would go to three if Sahid moved up. But, I mean, I, I think Penn State's the only other, guy, only other team that has that many guys that are ranked finalists right now. And that's obviously, we all know, that's where the big points are. Like, you know, Oklahoma State's like death by a thousand paper cuts. Everybody could place, but if you had to guess who their best chance at a finalist is right now, it might be six, you know, and he's wrestled one college tournament. So there's, and then obviously it feels like Iowa's got a little bit of each. They got a couple guys that are going to be ranked really high and then they got a lot of depth too. So, but yeah, I think you're right about Singletary being really important and being interesting. And if he's a kid that can mentally just take going with Snyder, then he's obviously got a huge upside. So, um, the last couple guys on this list, Austin O'Connor, Cameron Coy, Jacob Woodley's an interesting one, went one-on-one with Warner. Um, Dom Demas isn't on this list, and he's already made one, one world team and is in line to make another one. Dakota Gear we mentioned, and then Josh Heil from Campbell, who will benefit from Dean Heil splitting time between the Campbell and the Oklahoma RTC. So when you think about that, that last batch of guys, what, what kind of thoughts come to mind? I'm still looking at uh, a little bit above that list, a little bit that last batch. I, uh, Ashnault, I, I, we yeah. we kind of glossed over him a little bit, but what kind of senior season will he have? What kind of sixth season will he have? I think is is one of the really compelling storylines to me of next season. Talk about a guy that was, you know, multiple time Big Ten champion in the NCAA semis, and. 141 was so loaded uh, that even without him, it was a super fascinating weight weight to watch play out. So what right. is, yeah, after missing a season, what what kind of version of Anthony Ashnault do we get in his sixth season? I, th- I think that uh, it's be really key for for Rutgers. You know, the program took a step forward this year with. Uh, uh, adding Suriano to the mix, Del Vecchio making the stand, some other really positive things occurred. Richie Lewis winning the U23 World Championships, uh, having you know a pretty good senior season. It didn't uh, quite pan out in the end with him making the medal stand, uh, but 165 was loaded, and we knew that uh, there were probably about 15 All-American caliber wrestlers at that weight. Uh, but you know, for Rutgers to uh, you know, make the next step. Ashnault, I think, has to be has to be healthy and has to be in the mix to uh, be up, maybe in the top five podium spots, no matter which way he goes. Yeah, for sure. And and you know, like this doesn't take into account like obviously a lot of freshmen. I mean, like we mentioned Glory, but you know, like Penn State's going to start a freshman at twenty five. Um, you know, Malik Johnson, who I know had a big win over Busiello over the weekend. He's going to be pushing for that starting spot at 25 at Missouri. There's just, it's crazy. Like you look at all the returning all Americans, most of the weights are really deep. And then you look at this influx of talent and it's just crazy, man. Like just how good these kids are so early and, you know, guys that are pushing, you know, for medals right away. It's super impressive. Well, David, we got some, 
big time events going on here in the next couple weeks. Gets Final X started here June 9th in Lincoln, Nebraska. The first of three weeks. Got cadet duels coming up, junior duels coming up. World Team Trials coming up this weekend in Akron for the cadets and U23. Where do you want to go next? Uh, wherever you want, Andy. I, I'm, I'm happy to have you back. It's a lot easier to lead than, or a lot easier to follow than lead. So I, I enjoy following it. <laughs> I don't have to be nearly as smart as you are. So well, let's uh, let's talk Akron. We're both going to have our eye on what's going on out there. When you've taken a look at some of the names on the registration list. What are the weights that uh, you're most interested to follow over the course of this coming weekend? There's the, there's just a couple weights in the cadets that are loaded. And then really the under 23 is just, it's cool to see more and more of these, uh, of these colleges. There's guys, it felt like for a long time, guys weren't really, like a lot of guys were just training and they were getting better, but they weren't competing. And um, it's cool to see more and more of these guys competing. So, you know, I, like I said, I told you, I, I got a chance to talk to Terry Brand and he said that it's a big part of their recruiting process that kids either ask them or if they don't ask them, they tell them, here's what we're, our plan for you is in the off season. I'm like, I'm just looking at like 61 kilos of U23 and, this list is not an alphabetical order. I think it's in the order of, of how guys signed up, but like just the names that pop off of here, like Chaz Tucker, Dalton Macri, um, Drew West, uh, Jacob Rubio, go down the line, like Josh Kramer, Luke Fletcher, um, Nikki Philippi, Nick Piccinini, uh, Paul Conrath, I mean, Roman Bravo Young, uh, Satoshi Abe, like Sean Fosh, Sean Cannon, uh, Stephen Polakowski, just like, I mean, it's just loaded. Vito Arujao, I mean, and, and there's a lot, Tariq Wilson, there's nine, Spencer, or, or Tariq Wilson, there's nine guys I think I just named. One of those guys isn't going to place, and there's a lot of other good guys that I didn't even name. So, I, I, it's again, if you're in that Ohio area, it's, you definitely need to get out there and watch that. Cause it's going to be some great wrestling and the matchups are super interesting. And obviously freestyle and folk style have significant differences, but a lot of these guys that are wrestling year round are, are making significant strides over the guys that are just training and not competing. 90, 92 kilos going to be pretty interesting as well. You've got Colin Moore in there. Ben Darmstadt in there, Mike Machiavello in that weight class as well. Uh, some other guys in there that have won matches, NCAA qualifiers. Yep, yep. So Woodley, yeah. Um, Chris Weiler, yeah. Stephen Holloway. So, yeah, I mean, if you go through these weights, I mean, we could sit here and just pick these weights apart, but, I mean, it's – it's pretty intense and like just I just think it's I think that's what's happening though, right? Like these kids are so good coming in because I was talking to somebody about this. Like when you're in little league, you can wrestle like 150 matches a year if you want. And then you get to high school and you can easily wrestle a hundred. And then you get to college and it feels like you wrestle thirty or forty and, and a lot of these guys don't, you know, historically have not wrestled a lot in the off season. 
and then you get out of it, and you're lucky if you get 15, 20 matches, you know, once you're a senior-level guy. You know, so I think people are starting to see the value in competing and the value of, of I think you learn a lot when you compete. And I think as a coach, you learn a lot about your guys. Like, I, you know, I might think you're really good at a technique and you end up struggling with it going live. And there might be another one where I think, you know, you're not that good at it, but you can pull the trigger on it in, in a live situation. So I think there's a lot of value. And I mean, as I'm talking to you, I'm scrolling through like 65 kilos and like Mitch McKee, Caden Gefeller, Cade Brock. I mean, gee whiz, this, these brackets are just loaded they're deeper this year they're deeper no doubt and you look at last year with u23 world championships being a first time event and for the united states uh, the trials process was in october the world championships were in over the thanksgiving break college coaches are paid for their college programs to win and be successful and kids to graduate and that scenario didn't lead didn't really lend itself to it by them changing it. This now becomes an asset in all those things instead of a liability by the time frame changing. And you pointed this out last year, how, and it was no disrespect, but that a lot of our best guys didn't even try to make the team. And it, I would guess 80 to 90% of it had to do with scheduling. And now that the scheduling has changed, it's completely different. So look here is, is so different. It's so, changed yeah, a little bit. Yeah, sure. no doubt. The world championships this year for U23s are a couple weeks earlier, early November. A year from now, they're going to be in late October. So I think that uh, if uh, that timeline becomes the norm in the future, I think we're going to see more of uh, the top under 23 talent in the United States taking a swing at this thing and being ready to go right, you know, stepping in after or right at the beginning of the college season being in shape and competition ready. And you know, we, we look at it last year and the team that the United States sent, uh, there was some top flight talent, but uh, to your point, yeah, there was a lot of top flight talent that was left home. Look at the, look at the team that the United States sent last year. Fix was on that squad. Mitch McKee, you know, Fix knew he was going to red shirt, but uh, Mitch McKee was juggling folk style and freestyle at the beginning of the college season. Same with Joey McKenna. Uh, same with IMR then uh, you know Joe uh, excuse me uh, Richie Lewis was doing that as well there were some other guys that uh, were trying to juggle both but um, and then you saw some guys that were recent grads like Michael Corrales and in Ty Walls uh, so uh, Sammy Brooks was on that squad as well so uh, will be fascinating for me to watch over the course of time to see what the what the composition of that that United States team looks like going forward you know, uh, I had a chance to visit with Kevin Jackson last week, and we just talked about the depth in the American pipeline, and it's uh, it's crazy good. Like I'm, I'm, I figured out how to change these this list and by last name, so you can kind of look at it with some more order. And it's you probably already knew how to do that, but for a guy like me, I figured it out. But um, yeah, the, there's some really good guys here. They're going to place like seventh or eighth, or not place at all. So. Uh, it's just good to see a lot of the top flight programs wrestling year round and, and, and kids wrestling at this level. But I think in this case, you know, the chicken is driving the egg or the other way around. I think 
they have to do this because I think this is becoming a big part of recruiting where, well, what, you know, if I come to your school, coach Hamilton, where, what, what's going to happen for me in the off season? Well, we're, we're going to work on escapes and reversals. Like, no, I'm trying to make the world team. And, you know, if you don't have a plan for that, then you're probably missing out on some kids. Cause there's a lot of really good kids that just happen to wrestle in college, but they're, uh, their bigger goal, they have bigger goals, you know, world aspirations, not only after college, but during college. I do see Joe Smith's name on here at 79 kilos, but that's a pretty far way from 157. Uh, you know, I can safely say that, you know, is a, a significant difference, like 174. So maybe we see him at 74. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there, but if they, that's going back to that lineup, that's an interesting dilemma they have. To your point about the uh, recruiting end of this, David, I think look at, uh, look at the top wrestlers in the uh, look at the top wrestlers nationally, top prospects nationally: Gable Stevenson, Travis Whitlake, David Carr, um, Jacory Teamer, Gavin Hoffman, Michael Beard, Aaron Brooks, uh, Roman Bravo Young, Anthony Cassiope. They're you know, guys that have represented the United States on the world scene. Or, or taking a swing at it, at least. A lot of guys in that on that list have won medals at the world level, at age group levels. And so, yeah, they're, they're thinking, thinking long-term. They're thinking winning senior-level world championships and world medals. I think about uh, the seven-minute series that I've done as well, and one of the questions that, that I've, I've asked over the course of the last couple of years with that, that segment was if you're, let's say wrestling had one governing body and you were the president, what it, what would be the first thing that you would change? And I can't tell you how many out of the 55 or so that we've done have made mention of, I would go to freestyle. I would switch over to freestyle mm-hmm. full time. And so, right. so these guys are, you know, they're not just thinking about college goals. They're thinking about, you know, win a world Olympic medals. I think the bigger the goal you can make, then other things are stepping stones along the way. And, you know, you're in Iowa. Like, I think Spencer Lee has bigger goals than winning the NCAA title. I mean, he's already won three world titles. Like, um, Brands pointed out, like, you know, when he had to do his urination test afterwards, he's like, well, I know all about this. You know, I've won worlds three times. You know, but, you know, said it in a funny way. Like, I mean, that, that mindset's totally different. And, you know, you see some of these clubs, you know, like, like a young guns and some of these places, like some high schools that have top, top level guys, like winning state is almost or national preps, whatever the case may be like, that's just a part of the process, but that's not the end goal. And you know, I think you see that mindset going bigger and bigger. It's why I'm sure Nebraska has a lot of success in recruiting because you can come train with the best, literally the best guy or guys in the world. You know, that's, that's a gigantic raw. So it benefits, you know, the RTC model and the RTCs being tied to the universities and cross training and freestyle and to a certain extent, Greco is really beneficial. You know, it's a trickle down effect, but it benefits everyone, you know, and, and it benefits you know, when everybody puts on the red, white, and blue and, and the other rivalries go away, that's where the biggest benefit is. So. Well, David, anything else for this week? 
You know, sir, uh, best of luck to all those guys trying to make world teams. Uh, go chase your dreams. It's awesome to see. Well, that'll do it for episode 82 of Weighing In. For David Mercatani, I'm Andy Hamilton. Thank you for giving us the time to listen, and we will be back next week.